how not to fall into sin. Last week we talked about fruitfulness and the promises of in, found in fruitfulness. We talked from John 15 and James chapter 1, verses 2 through 12. This week we're going to teach you how to stand and not fall into sin. Do you believe that's a problem in America? How about a problem in the world? How about a problem in the church? Well, today, James is, ask, is addressing that, how not to fall into sin. Let's, let's open up in prayer. Father, we ask that our ears will be open, our eyes will be open, that we will see and that we'll understand, not with our physical eyes and physical ears, but with our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears, Lord. Father, we want to see Jesus. So, Father, help us to stay focused on what you are saying through your word. Everybody say. Now, we must know the differences between verses 2 and verses 3. You know, we're in James, and we told you that we'll be in James. And we're going to go through James. So you can uh, be getting revelation from God yourselves. You can uh, be uh, doing a little reading yourself during your, during your free time or make time and do some reading uh, if you can or, or want to. You can be ahead of us and also with us. Now in verse 2, James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And we're talking about the King James Version there. What difference would that be those temptations and James 1, 13 and 14, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Now, what, is, what, what, what differences would you have there? Because one says, Count it all joy. When you fall into temptations, these, these various temptations, count it all joy. Then another one would say, hey, let no one say that God, you know, tempt a man because God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt a man. So how can we count all joy when we fall into these various temptations? Well, we need to know the difference between the two. In verse, in verse 2, it's talking about Adversity, affliction coming from the outside. It doesn't have anything to do with basically the inside of you. These are just trials. The New American Standard Version, it will say trials. When you fall into different trials. King James uses the word temptation. So they are, they are, they are, they are from the same root word, but they are just used differently. Now, God really allows us to go through these temptations, these trials, these afflictions, this adversity, in order that to encourage us, in order to encourage us that he is in control and for us to increase our faith in him, our trust in him, our belief in him, and our you know, basic confidence in him. He's going to allow us to go through it. We need to get stronger in the Lord. In order to get stronger, we must lift some weights. And part of the ways we're going to live spiritual will be adversities and afflictions. And he says, count it all joy. You know? And so we went through that before. So that's, that's one type of uh, temptation. But another type of temptation would be found in, in verses 13 and 14. And, and that is a little bit different. They're from the Greek, same Greek words I said, but it's just a little bit different. Okay? Now in that one, it's really talking about Tempting you, trying us, trying to get us to fall into uh, evil, sin. It's a solicitation for us to sin. That's what it is. A solicitation for us to sin. That's what it is in verses 13 and 14. See, in verse 2, those trials are designed to prove the quality of our character. 
And so when, when we're in these economical trying times, and in that, that time they were uh, going through a lot of different things um, from society, a lot of pressures, then they were to use the character, they were to have fruitfulness of the character of God, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, you know, all those patience, goodness, kindness, temperance, all those type of things there, they're supposed to exhibit that. And pressure sometimes will bring out the best of us, sometimes it will bring out the worst in us. We can actually uh, use it as a test to find out to what degree are we progressing to be more like the Lord. That's how we can use that. I've been through it, you've been through it. I'm going through it, you're going through it. We will go through it together in the future. It's not going to stop, as I said before. Let's look at another one here, 1 Corinthians. We're going to go down a little bit and come back. Uh, Let's skip around a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. In the King James Version, it tells us there is no temptation taken us but such as common to man. But God is faithful. Oh, he's faithful. He will not allow us to be uh, tempted or he will not allow us to suffer above that which we're able. But we're with the temptation, temptation to make a way for us to escape that we may be able to bear up under it. God is not going to allow us to be tempted. This is a verse 2 temptation. This is the adversity. These are the trials. He's not going to allow us to be tempted above that which we're able. So whatever we're going through, what they're going through uh, in James here, when he, when he was talking to them, they could stand it. God is not going to allow you to be tempted above that which you're able. He's going to provide a way for you to escape because he is faithful. He's faithful. Can we say amen to that? We're going to have to use the way of escape that he gives us because it comes in many different forms, many different places, from many different places, through many different sources. But we must take the way of escape. He has it for us. Another one here that we can, and that, that should give us confidence, actually. That should give us a lot of confidence in whatever you're going through. Externally, from the outside, whatever you're going through, God is faithful. He's not going to allow you to suffer beyond that which you are able. He's not going to allow it. That's good news to me. Before we got born again, we didn't have good news. We didn't have someone to not allow us to be tempted above that we're able. We just had uh, temptations to come from outside. Yes, trials that come from outside, but usually we took that as an opportunity to sin. And I think you know what I'm saying. You probably have done it yourself. You know, when pressures come, pressures come from the outside, we begin to uh, talk because it's easier to talk, uh, you know, than to keep our mouths closed during those times if we're unsaved. And we talk about our employer, if he's the one that we think caused a problem. We'll talk about society. We'll talk about the president. We'll talk about the world system, the banking system, the economical system. We'll talk about anything except give praise to God, you know, because he's going to come through for us. I did it. Is there anyone in here like me that did it when we were unsaved? Yeah. Now, the thing that we can't do is when these pressures come from, pressures come from outside now, we can't take that as an opportunity to sin. And you read it on the news sometime or see it on CNN. When someone loses their job, they go to the place we have occasion for that. And they want to kill people. Have you read about that sometime? They didn't count it all joy. <laughs> you know. But how can an ungodly person count it all joy? You know? We're not supposed to do that. 
I've been there. I've lost a job before. And then and it's an opportunity to talk about the person who, you know, releases you. It takes character to not do that. It takes character. And God's well pleased with character. When you pass your test, you don't have to take that one again. You get a harder one. <laughs> but, you, but also, with passing that test, you'll get reward, re- rewards. There's always rewards in passing tests. Yeah. Let's look at Hebrews. Chapter 2. It says... In verses 17 and 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Verse 18, for since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered. Now, we already read that it says God can't be tempted. But here you, we read that he was tempted. So obviously we're talking about two different types of tempts. Is that correct? This temptation is not to sin, per se. This temptation is just a trial, you know. Just our external forces from outside. He was tempted in that which he suffered. Those things come from outside. That affliction, that persecution. Was he persecuted? Yeah. Did he go through some things? Was it his fault? No. But he was tempted in that which he had suffered. He is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. That's good news. Because he is able to come to our aid because he was tempted also from outside pressures. He was persecuted. He was reviled. He was talked about. Mistreated. But yet, it says that he can come to our aid now. We need somebody coming to our aid, don't we? And we're not looking for uh, flesh and blood and natural coming to our aid, even though he would use natural people to come to our aid. We are looking for Jesus Christ to come to our aid. He would use people, but our eyes are upon Jesus. Whoever he used, that's, that's up to him. That's good news. In verses 13 and 14 of James... We're going to be talking about solicitation to do evil. In both cases now, our faith, our trust, our belief is being tested. It's being tested. When Jesus was tested, did he have trust in the Father? Did he have trust in the Father? How do you know he had trust in the Father? Because it says so. The word says so. We weren't there, but it says so. If it says so, he trusted in the Father. You remember it said that he submitted himself to him who judges righteously? You remember that? And Peter? That's what it said. He submitted himself to him who judges righteously. He trusted in God. Even though he was being persecuted, he was being reviled, he submitted himself to him who judges righteously. We must submit ourselves to him who judges righteously also. We can't allow any testings to become an occasion of yielding to our fleshly impulses. We can't allow it. And we're talking about, we're talking about now solicitation to do evil. And that's serious. The enemy is trying to get us to create, to do something wrong, to, to sin... We can't allow our flesh to fall into that sin pattern. If we fail 
We cannot blame God. Now, blaming God began with Adam and Eve, didn't it? And Adam blamed God in a roundabout way. Because he said, you know, this is a woman you gave me. In other words, God, you to blame. You the one gave the woman to me because she's the one, you know, uh, got, got me to eat this thing. Adam was not taking the responsibility for his own failure. We must take responsibility for our own failure if we fail. Let's don't blame God. God is absolutely holy. He's absolutely holy. When you look at, at James... And it tells us that, and let's read that one more time. We read it before, but we're going to read it one more time. 13 and 14. Let no one say that he is from James. It's tempted. I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil or to do evil. He can't. Why can't he? You know, we're singing the songs, holy, holy. They're doing it in heaven now. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who is, who else, who is to come. He's holy. He's totally holy. He's separated. There is no, you know, shadow of turning in him. He is holy, thoroughly holy. He can't be tempted to do evil. Doesn't mean he can't be tempted, but as I said, he can't be tempted to do evil. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It says God cannot be tempted by evil. That means to, you know, to do evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone to sin, to do evil. He doesn't. He doesn't. So let's don't say that, you know, everything that happened to me, I'm glad it happened to me. If I had to go up and do it again, I would want the same thing to happen to me, you know. Have you heard people say that before? They've sinned. They, they, I mean, they, they've, you know, um, fallen short of the mark and everything. And they said, you know, they learned so much that they would, they would want it to happen again. They had to do it again. That is not wisdom. No, Jesus didn't say that. Man, I wish I would have sinned, you know. No. He can identify with every one of us. And he hasn't sinned. Sin. We can identify also with people. We don't have to do the same thing uh, that other people do in order to identify with them. Uh, because some people will say, you know, well, you know, God, you know, had me to do this, to go through this, so that I'll be able to minister to the drug addicts. You know what I'm saying? You see people in prison. Uh, he said, well, you know, uh, God had me do that because I needed a prison ministry. Is that true? No. No. We fail, and so we have to suffer the consequences, but will God use us still? Absolutely. Absolutely he'll use us. But it's not, it's not something that we need to glory in and say, you know, now I have a testimony. Because Jesus has a testimony. You know? And I'm trying to help the church now. I'm trying to help the church because I've heard some weird things coming from church people. And that's just not good. You know? That's not good. Yes, God will use the drug addict. Yes, He will use the prostitute. Yes, He will use, uh, you know, the prison person. Yes, He will use it. You know? But I'm so glad I didn't go to prison. You know? That doesn't stop you from having a prison minister. Just because you didn't go to prison. I'm talking to somebody. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Now, so he's putting things on us. Let's go a little further. Was Jesus ever tempted? 
Was he ever tempted by evil? Was he, was he ever tempted to do evil? To, to sin? Was he ever tempted to do sin? Did he ever sin? Now, it said, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Meaning that, you know, he's not going to be tempted to do evil. He's not going to fall in that. Let's go to Luke 4. Let's read it and see what we're talking about here. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. When the devil had finished... Every temptation. So the devil tempts, doesn't he? Let's look at another place in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 3. Matthew 4, 1 and 3. I'm just trying to let, let us know what the word says. And so we take scripture, and we take scriptures here, and we see the context they're in, and so we, it can help us with the meaning of things. We can't, we, we, we must know that Jesus was tempted. So we know that that can't mean that he was never tempted, you know, at all by the evil one or to do evil, but he never fell into that. Never fell. This is said, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You think that you think the devil is going to uh, just say, well, you know what? He's not going to sin, but I'm, I'm going to just check his character out. You know, he's trying to get him to sin, isn't he? The devil is a sinner. I mean, he's just he's just a liar. He's the tempter. In verse three, it says that. And the tempter, who is it talking about? The devil. Came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. So, of course, Jesus quoted the Word of God. It's good to know the Word of God, isn't it? He didn't, he didn't say, Let me go and get the strolls and check the Old Testament. Let me see what, what it says something in here to answer your questions. He knew what the Word says. It's important for you to know what the word says because you're going to have to fight the enemy in your thought pattern at work, you know, on the road. You know, you're going to have to be ready for him. So therefore, you need to do that. We'll talk about that later on this month. Every offspring of Adam and Eve is born with the impulse to sin. It's not a child is born. You know me, now any child is going to be born, it's going to be born, and they are just, just as holy, just as pure, just as, you know, they have no blame whatsoever. They're just blameless, and they'll always be blameless because they were blameless from birth. No such thing. No such thing. You have to drive sin out, don't you? <laughs> Of, of, of children, of us. Thank God for my aunt. Drove it out. <laughs> Drove it out, you know. You know, it's, it's very interesting sometimes that you kind of, um, you know, you, you, you kind of say, well, you know, I can, all you have to do is tell me one time and I, I, I can learn how to be obedient. no. No, you know, foolishness has to be driven out of a child. And my aunt, she learned that switches just didn't bother me. It just didn't, you know. Uh, so she used a piece of a garden hose. She cut off a piece of garden hose. And when I saw the garden hose, I said, oh, I'm going to stop being, you know, so, so, you know, tough now. You know, because the little switches, you know, you, you know, they sting, you know, thing like that. But you know, she's not gonna, uh, 
uh, hitches where you got whips all over your legs and things like that. So they just, you know, just what did they say? And I was tough, you know, yeah, do it, go, ah, tough, you know. <laughs> when that hose came, brother, oh no, you know. I quickly learned when she said, be home by the time the lights come on, you know, the street lights. You know, when the street lights come on, you better, you better be home, you know. Uh, so every time a light came, came on, boy, I shot home, you know. Cause that hose, I know that hose was waiting, you know. So I'm so glad that, um, it didn't feel good, but I, I'm so glad that, it, you know, I learned obedience through the things I've suffered. <laughs> it's not external circumstances, but the wrong kind of internal desires that lead to sin when we are talking about James. Let's go back to James. Do you understand what I'm saying now? It's not the external circumstances. Now, of course, you know external circumstances can cause you to uh, sin, but that's because of what's inside. It's what's inside. So when, when he tells us that in verse, I think it's 15 of James chapter 1, when he tells us that, well, let's go to 14, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. That word, carried away, that word means to be dragged away. Okay? You know, you, you, you are hurried away. You're carried away. Each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed. That word entice means to trap, to entrap, to bait. And, and you know, a, a good example of that would be in Proverbs when a young man, uh, he went where he was not supposed to be going and he was enticed to sin. And we used an example of that once when we had the, 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 the pole and the, you know, the fishing rod and we had the lures, you know. And uh, uh, I started to bring my trap that Jack uh, got for me. And uh, it's, it's a nice trap, long, nice, pretty trap. Um, I haven't caught anything, but it's a nice trap, you know. And, and uh, we're going to catch that thing, though. Uh, what, what it is is, that, you know, those groundhogs, those ugly-looking groundhogs? Uh, I have a family a living under my sunroom, under my deck steps, you know, um, and they just love digging holes for some reason. And so we're trying to trap them, and so we're trying to put bait out there. So we, we put, put some, uh, you know, half of a peach out there uh, one day, and then I put an app out there, and it drew ants, you know. <laughs> but I was saying, did you trap anything? Did you get them? I said, I trap ants. She said, you can't trap ants. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I see them out there eating, and uh, I said, well, I'm going to get you, you know. Uh, I wish they didn't have the law that you can't uh, use a, a gun in, in the city, you know, once I'm a pellet. Because I'll, I'll shoot them out the window, you know. I'll shoot them. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, those are some things that they're really dangerous to a house, you know. But those are what we call a trap. And I'm trying to lure him in that trap uh, by putting some bait in there and trying to get him to go in there and trigger the, the trap, and it's, the door going to close on him, and then we're going to take him away. I have, I have, I have a friend that, uh, well, an acquaintance, I put it that way. I have an acquaintance that uh, he said, you, you get to catch a groundhog, bring him me, because I, I love to eat groundhogs. So um, <laughs> I don't know how well, you might have eaten a groundhog already now. So don't say, "Ooh, you know, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> See, somebody's eating the groundhog because they say it tastes like chicken. So somebody's eating groundhog. I'm not. I'm not going to ask you to raise your head because <laughs> I'll never eat your house again. But in a way, <laughs> but a trap. That's what. That's what the enemy does to us. And so in Matthew fifteen seventeen through 20, let's look at that. It says, do not, do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? 
and they, they were, you know, they were talking about uh, Jesus' disciples because they didn't wash his hand and everything. And he was, this is the context of saying, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile a man. Look at verse 19 now. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, uh, slanders. All that come from within us, in our heart. It's not, it's not the external things that's the problem. You see, it's our out-of-order desire because for some reason our inside has not been renewed like it's supposed to be. Our flesh now, it, it wants to do wrong sometimes. Our flesh just is not going to be, it's no good thing in the flesh, the, the word says. So therefore, we can't depend upon how we feel about things. We don't walk by feelings. We got to walk by the word of God. And so what happens is that God says to renew our minds. You see, if we don't renew our minds, then what happens is that the spirit of God, you know, it says in two or three the mouth of two or three witnesses, let the word be established. In twos, there, there, there's some, um, some power in that. So the spirit of God needs an agreement. He's not going to get agreement out of our flesh. He's just not going to get agreement out of our flesh. So he has to get agreement out of our heart, out of our mind, out of our thought patterns. So we have to keep those things pure. We have to purify them. So when the, when the song was uh, saying today, which was appropriate, purify my heart, O Lord. That's what we have to do, purify our hearts, because our heart have, it has a lot of impurities in them. And God is saying, you know, I know it has them. You had it in it when you were born again. So now let's start a, a purification process. It's called a sanctification process that the Holy Spirit has to help us with. Lust is just legitimate desires that, that's gone haywire. Going beyond the legitimate bounds. That's all it is. So the question is, what are we cultivating? What are we stirring up? Do we stir up inordinate desires? Do we stir up things that, you know, um, cultivate improper talking? You see, you can cultivate it by being around the wrong type of people. It's uh, one word says the bad company corrupt good morals. So you can be a, around people who use profanity all the time, especially if they're friends. Because some people work around people like that, but they don't partake in it because um, they just work people, you know, and they, they know they're just ungodly people. But when it's your friend and they're cursing, they're using profanity, and you're with them, pretty soon you'll slip, maybe, and do the same thing. Because bad come to corrupts good morals. It can be profanity. It can be talking about people. It can be any kind of sin. Because it said in Matthew, remember, that, that uh, uh, all kind of sins come from within. They're not coming from without. They come from in. Evil thoughts come from within. So we have to make sure we're not cultivating that which we don't want to be in there. So a person, who, you know, say, well, you know, um, you know, I don't curse much, you know, just when I get mad. Well, my goodness gracious, you know, it must be in there. If it's in there, then you need to get it out. I don't think we hear Jesus run around cursing. Using profanity. Do we? Here, one person know. What do the rest of y'all think? <laughs> Verse 15 says, Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now, of course, it's talking about uh, the analogy, the word picture, is like a regular birth of a mother with a child. 
in order to have a child, it's going to have to be some kind of conception. And it says that when, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So we have to make sure lust doesn't conceive. So we have to back up more and say we can't be enticed. We say, well, okay, let's not be dragged away then out of the straight and narrow path. Let's back up a little bit more and say that I have to keep my company, the people I'm hanging around with, I got to keep that pure. I got to keep what I watch pure, what I read pure, what I, you know, I got to keep all those things uh, in check because if I don't keep it in check, it might step over a line here. And then pretty soon, uh, if the right circumstance come about, and that's what the enemy is always waiting for, he will watch you. He knows what we, our weaknesses are, and he will watch us. And, and then when those circumstances those come, um, he will now entice us. See, for any kind of sin, you usually need a, a motive. You need, 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 you need a right environment and all those type of things because you, you find that the person uh, at, at work, they usually don't uh, use profanity against their boss. Because they already know that I need to eat, I need uh, to pay my, you know, rent or mortgage, so I can't do that. So they keep a they keep a, a, a brighter on their tongue, but then they, they they don't have a brighter when they come home, you know, when they're in situations with their friends. You see, so you have to learn how to uh, uh, get this stuff in the right bounds and say I'm not going to be I'm not going to get into that. I, I have to keep myself. Uh, separated because God is holy. And as a matter of fact, he says that we ought to be, what's that word? Holy. First Timothy 5, 5, 6. It says, Now she, who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone, has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. But she who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. And this is a case where we're talking about what uh, Paul's telling Timothy what he should do uh, as far as what is a concern. And, uh, and the church is not supposed to take care of a, of a widow who has kids and things like that. Somebody who take care of themselves who are not um, over six or who haven't watched the saints' feet, who has uh, been one husband. Uh, so it has rules and regulations for Timothy here on who he's going to put on the church role for widows. But he says that those who, um, those widows who give themselves to wanting pleasure is dead even while they, while they live. Now, if he's talking about Christians here, then we can be dead while we're living. And you say, well, how can we be dead while we're living, you know? Well, you know, anytime you sin, you'll separate from God. Do you understand that? And so, you, you know, you separate, in other words, from fellowship. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it says so in, in, in the scripture, First John, you know, you, know you, you, don't, you, you want to be in the right stand. So that's why we ask God to forgive us so that he can cleanse us um, from all sin. In order for us not to fall into sin, we must pray. Personally, we must have prayer going on personally prayer and by others. Very important. Luke 2, 22, 31, 32 says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. We need people praying for us. We need it. Thank God for people who will pray because Jesus prayed that Peter would not be sifted. That's one way. Number two, get everything out of you. Get everything out of you. Now, when I say everything out, I mean get all the impurities out. John fourteen thirty. Says I would not speak much more to you, 
for the ruler of the of the world is coming. Finish it for me. Is it up there? And he has nothing in me. That's Jesus talking. Now, what, what, what must we do? We must get everything out that's impure that gives the, the devil a foothold. Because we want to say, oh, here come no tempter. But he has nothing in me. He might try to tempt me to sin, but no, I'm not falling for that because he doesn't have anything in me. I've gotten rid of that jump. That which he used to, you know, try to tempt me with, he can't tempt me with that anymore. Some things just don't tempt you. Do you hear what I'm saying? It does not tempt me to eat a skunk. I mean, it just doesn't tempt me, you know? Something just, it doesn't tempt you, you know? But you put a pineapple cake in front of me. Now that's a whole different ball game, you know? That, that, that's a temptation to sin, boy, you know? So for my birthday, I made one. And, and I had to say, okay, hold, that's, up, that's enough. Half of it was gone. That's enough. Freeze it. <laughs> Freeze it. I cannot, I cannot eat not one more muscle, uh, muscle. No, no, not one more bite, you know? So it's frozen. It's frozen. Somebody else does that, doesn't it? I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, you got to get it out of your sight. you got to get it out of the way because that is an area of weakness in you. Do you know what I'm saying? And I know y'all don't have weaknesses. I know all of y'all are holy. You don't have nothing in you. So uh, today I'm talking and see the echo is coming, so I'm teaching myself. And I don't know what, y'all are perfect, you know. So people are tempted by different things. Pray to God for him to get everything out and cooperate with him. You've got to ask God to get it out. Hebrews 4, 15. Let's look there for a minute. In Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Sin just doesn't tempt Jesus. I mean, I mean, it just it just doesn't tempt. Him. I mean, it just is not in him. He has none of that in him. He's just holy. He's just pure. Blameless. Nothing. Nothing in him. That's the way we want to be, isn't it? Now, our flesh, we know our flesh is unruly, but we want to say in our heart, in our heart is nothing in us. So we're not going to sin with our tongue. We're not going to sin with our eyes. We're not going to sin with our hands. We're not going to sin with our feet. We're just not going to sin with our, we're not going to allow our members of our body to sin. We're just not going to sin because we have asked Jesus and he has given us um, our people around us. He's given us uh, directions and we need to follow those directions. And so therefore, we don't do it. How many notice a sin to be a glutton? Right. Yeah. It can help you if, if sometimes it can help you uh, with how much you eat if you, um, if you would um, change the size of the plate that you eat out, eat out of. Uh, if you eat out of a saucer, how, how many know what a saucer is? If you eat out of a saucer, it won't hold us so much, you know. And if you say, I'm not going back for seconds, whatever you put on this, this plate, this salsa, that's what I'm going to eat, you know. That can help you. Uh, when I used to eat cereal, I used to get the biggest bowl and the biggest spoon that I could, I could find because I wanted to fill it to the brim running over, you know. It's just one of those things. But I've learned that uh, overweightness is not a, a good thing. So I said, well... I'm going to have to change the size of, the, of, of my uh, bowl and the size of my spoon and see that, that, that'll help me. How many know that helps? Right. Now you can't fill it up five times, but it, it'll, it'll help you if you, 
if you, if you, if you use some control there. You got to cooperate with him. Be diligent to add to your faith. Be diligent to add to your faith. You, you can't, you just can't, um, let's look at, it, that's, that's found in Second Peter. You, you, you just can't uh, stay stagnant in your Christian walk. You can't rely on just church alone for your spiritual food. A 45-minute message once a week is not going to do what you wanted to do. No more will exercise if you just exercise just one day a week. And the rest of the six days, you don't do anything. That's not good for you. Any um, exercise person will tell you that. They'll tell you, you know, you need to do something more than that. Second Peter 2, 1, 4 says that uh, by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for every, now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply more excellence. And in your more excellence, supply knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. For these qualities are yours and are increasing. If they are, they render you to be neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, have forgiven, have forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brother, be all the more diligent to make certain about your calling or his calling and choosing of you. As long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. You will never fail to have success in whatever you do. We need to be strong in the Lord. We need to be strong in the Lord. We need to add diligence. We need to add diligence to our faith and say, I'm going to put in our knowledge. I'm going to put in more excellence. I'm going to put in, I'm going to put in more things in here. And I'm not going to be deceived. I'm not going to be deceived. Next week we're going to talk about other things that are going to help us not fall which is being a doer of the word. So we'll stop here, and we'll pick it up in verse, uh, probably James verse one sixteen, where it tells us, do not be deceived, my brother. I don't want to be deceived. Do you want to be deceived? No, nobody wants to be deceived. So we're going to pick it up there. See, we're going to go through James. James was talking to the church. He wasn't talking to the sinners. He was talking to the church. And so he gave him a lot of information. And so we're going through James and we're trying to get information. And we're not teaching uh, just uh, uh, topical. And, and we're just teaching through, the, through James. And so uh, we're going to cover quite a few topics while we're, we're in James. Because James covered quite a few topics. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than in the two-edged sword. It's able to divide the of the soul and the spirit, the joints of marrow and the discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Lord, we want your word, Lord, to be, a, be um, in our lives. We want to hear your word. We want to see your word. We want to meditate on your word, Lord. We want to read it. We want to uh, do your word, Lord. And we thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Your word has penetrated, Lord. We know that we have spiritual eyes today because we asked for it. We have spiritual ears today because we asked for it. And so, therefore, it penetrated right down to our heart. Some things that I, I, uh, um, I, I taught, uh, I know it brought conviction on some of you because it brings conviction on me. And I know that, that we all need improvement. I know that we are not uh, where we should be, but we're not what we, where we used to be. And we're going forward. So as we go forward, Lord, we say, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified, Lord, in our bodies. Be glorified in our tongues. Be glorified in our eyes. Be glorified in everything, Lord, because your glory is at stake, Lord. You're worthy to receive all the glory, all the honor, Lord. And we're asking you, Lord, to help us to glorify you more this week 
everywhere we go, starting when we start greeting one another as we're leaving, as we get in our cars, as we get behind closed doors at home, help us to glorify you, Lord. We said be glorified. There's anyone here that's not has not given their lives to Jesus Christ, today is the day for that. If anyone here has not uh, been walking the way they should with the Lord, you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, today is the day. If anyone here has said, I need prayer for just strength, because I don't want to be tempted. I don't want to be tempted. I don't want to fall. Falling is not fun. It's not fun. God's not glorified by our failure. He's glorified by our success. Because he died for our success. If anyone need prayer for any one of those things, just raise your hand, put it back down. We'd love to pray, pray for you. Let's stand. Father, you've seen the hands, Lord. And we're going to pray for those right now, Lord, that raise their hands, we say, in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that you raised your hand for, he knows because he knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your mind. He knows what's in your thoughts. He knows why you raise your hand. I don't, but he does. And he's saying that today your prayers are answered. It's answered. Those who raise their hand today, your prayer has been answered. And he said, now, walk it out. Walk it out. God's going to be giving you things to do. Do it. Do it. As Jesus' mother told uh, the servants, he said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Might seem silly. You might not want to do it. Just do it. Father, we thank you for meeting our needs, Lord. We thank you, Father. We don't have to have a, a long, drawn-out prayer, Lord. We just speak the word, and it's done. It's done. It's done. We thank you.